Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by the Riley Decker Companies. The right decision. For more information, go to RileyDecker.com. Introducing first, spreading the gospel of the mullet church. He is fighting out of Cincinnati, Ohio, weighing in at 220 pounds. Flying, Brian Pillman Jr. Wow. I was going to try to do a second one, but I'm I'm done. I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that, huh? I know the Fink just passed away, so if wrestling needs anybody uh, to to do any announcing, you know, just let me know. I can do. Some, I take a part time gig. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get you signed up, my friend. Like it, Michael and Bruce Buffer. Who you got it sure. going on? Right, man. right. Uh, well, let's get going, man. I know uh, we spoke yesterday and doing our research. You know, you mentioned you've been an underdog your entire life. Uh, and with this being the underdog, a lot of times, you know, we believe that people have faced some type of adversity or adverse moments in their life and have have overcome those. Um, and, you know, you mentioned you're still an underdog and, and we believe that. Um, and so at the age of 15, you moved in with a friend named Paul and his uh, single mom and you were sleeping on the floor. And you said one day this will all be well worth it. I'm going to take this opportunity to become a pro wrestler. And you, but before that, you said you wanted to be normal first. So you went and got a degree and had a nice corporate job for about a year. But then you're quoted to say, this wasn't enough for me. I realized when you're only successful at being average, you're just successfully being nobody. You are just another Joe at the bar. Can you take us back to that moment at age 15 in that mindset and how it was created? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it. It's, it was easy for me to to want to chase something more. You know, obviously I had that story and I had that that great legacy of a father um, who made something more of himself through through trial and error and a lot of failure. You know, he, he was a, for that era. He was a smaller guy and he pushed himself into a lot of positions um, that people told him he was too small or he was too weak at this or the other. So I've always kind of had a, a mentality of an underdog you know, just, just in my life. And, and I think that's one of the best gifts that I've been given. You know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. My, my, uh, my situation in the hand I've been dealt, you know, mm-hmm. um, when we are faced with adversity, oftentimes we become a better, we, you know, we become better versions of ourselves. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty easy for me and, and, Clearly, you guys have done your research because that, that's not, that everything you said is is 100 true. Um, yeah, it was it was just one of those things that I've always been kind of smart, you know, with books and, and, and naturally, you know, just gifted at testing and academics and things like that. So um, for those things that came easy to me, I I, I, I looked for more of a challenge, and um, I always felt challenged, you know, by my body and physically, and even though. I've had some great genetics. I've always had, you know, it's always been more uh, of, a, of a captivating uh, challenge for me to master things in the physical world as opposed to, you know, playing by the books and, and doing things on the computer. You know, I'm really good at those things. And to me, it's more of a challenge. It's more fun to test my physical endurance and my flexibility and, and use those gifts that I've been given, you know, through my father's athleticism and his his genetics and stuff and and using those to my advantage to, to entertain and, and to also you know produce other things and, w- and one thing i saw you know in in learning about you in in listening to some friends and just people that know you was you know you've created this path yourself i think that's something i wanted to hit off from the beginning because i know we're going to talk about some of the lineage and being a generational wrestler being in the family um but you know i think uh to those that are listening that might think, well, you know, he's the son of another wrestler and, and it's what I've learned through it. And, and something that stuck out to me was a recent tweet you said was, you know, driving 20 plus hours in a weekend, missing up, staying all night, catching a 5am flight, you know, zero sleep, missed the blood and blisters on my chest, missed the minor pain on my neck, missed my car breaking down. What people don't realize is, you know, um, you know, you, you, you basically grew up with, without a dad, it sounds like a mom, you know, your aunt Linda, took care of you, but you earned, you know, everything as kind of Calvin said, you went to high school, 
uh, in Northern Kentucky and then on to, uh, I think Mount St. Joe's and then you decided mm-hmm. to wrestle and then you've worked your way up. So kind of sticking on, you know, that grind per se in, in creating your own path. And I think that's important for people to understand, kind of talk about all of the steps from a wrestling perspective, what you have had to build on your own. And I think that's important for people to know is like you are your own man and you've created your own path. Absolutely. And, and I personally, I, I love the adversity. I usually thrive in adversity, you know, as you can see throughout the course of my life and my father's life, it's, it's always those challenges that push us to do more and to be bigger, you know, be bigger versions of ourselves um, than we already are. Um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. Exactly. What, what was your question again? Oh, it's all good. So just more of the, the grind and where you're at of earning your way yourself versus yeah, yeah, okay. what most oh, yeah, people yeah. think it's rest, yeah. talk about wrestling and being on the road. And, and that's the beauty of wrestling is that, uh, it's not for everybody, you know, not, not everybody can do it. And, and you gotta be a special type of person. And through wrestling, I've met a lot of people that are just like me. You know, I've met a lot of very unique, talented performers. Uh, and I've met a lot of very, you know, broken wandering people that are just looking for a, a group to accept them you know like a, i don't know like a a place where they can feel like they're not you know as broken as they are and, and i think there's a little bit of that there's a little bit of all of those things in me you know um i was always looking for sort of that group of outcasts that were you know not the most normal person in school you know they they, they didn't always you know sit with the right click but then you put you put them out there and you put them in front of a crowd and 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 then they come alive and they connect with audiences and stuff and it just it takes a special type of person to do that right you can't I always tell people this all the time I say you can't be a pro wrestler and be a normal person you just can't you can't you can't really give yourself to the art of it and you can't really appreciate it if you are the typical you know standard you know nine to five guy and a guy like if you're you know if you're playing by the rules 99% of the time and you're just a, a normal, you know, go lucky guy and you're doing it all by the book and you can't, you know, it's going to be hard to be a wrestler because the, the, the pro wrestling business, um, it's like the wild, wild west, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of independent, you know, entrepreneurial people, you know, there's not like these big contracts until you get up into the big leagues, you know, but a lot of people go a long way making a lot of money, um, working for themselves, you know, being a pro wrestler and, and hitting towns and hitting the road. So it is a dog eat dog kind of world. It, it can be very cutthroat, you know, because a lot of that, you know, a lot of that independent money is just out there and it's on the road and it's on the line for, for the taking, but it's, it's up to, it's up to each and every wrestler on the independence to, you know, handle their own bookings, handle their own travel, get there, you know, perform and also, maintaining the social media presence, uh, maintaining an online um, marketplace for, for t-shirts and things. And, and we have different tools um, like pro wrestling tees, which is a huge help, you know, but growing up for the past, you know, 200 years that pro wrestling has been a thing, they didn't have all those things to help us out and to, and to assist us. And because we have social media and because we have things like pro wrestling tees, um, it's easier than ever to, to monetize his career. So hey, Brian, really might, not to interrupt, but I, I saw, uh, the got Pillman shirt, which I love by the way, <laughs> I think I got to get to get your approval, but got Pillman. And on the back, when you say UDP does the underdog podcast does, so we, we got you. So, um, <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna make a little uh, freestyle T-shirt there. Let me ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just order a couple of those and throw some prints on the back, and that's the thing too. It's uh, you just gotta be creative. Yeah, again, and a lot of these different things go hand in hand. You know, for sure. Can you touch on the talent? You talked about it. You just briefly touched on it. But can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on the talent that it takes to go out and be charismatic and perform in front of a crowd? You know, you're 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 you know pretty new to the profession, you know, having been, you know, a, a good year and a half, two years, um, and you were already the rookie of the year last year. But can you talk about kind of, you know, being charismatic and what it does take to go out and get in the ring and do the promos and different things? Yeah, you know, charismatic is, is a tough thing to, to quantify. Um, it's one of those things you, you may be born with it and you may not, you know, and and I don't think that it can't be trained. I just think it becomes a little more natural for other people, you know, to just go out there and talk and to go out there and soak up the attention and not be worried about messing up and not be worried about what other people are going to think of you. Um, 
But for me, you know, always being the kid in class that, that misbehaved and, and was always joking around and always enjoyed the attention and, and, and doing what he wanted and, and getting in trouble all the time. Anyways, um, if that was who you were growing up, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to go out there and make a fool of yourself and, and get paid to, to, to do it, you know. So that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, you know, if, if, if you're the type of person that always played by the rules, you don't like attention, you don't like this, that, the other – but maybe you love wrestling um, and maybe you're a good athlete. This that, any other, it still might not all add up. You know, all the, all the, all the boxes have to kind of add up. And, and I see guys all the time that they're incredible athletes and, and they're incredible wrestlers. Um, but they just don't have that, that it, you know, that it factor that like something that just makes you want to watch them, you know, just, you can't take your eyes off that person. Right. And some people don't have that. And one thing we saw, Brian, throughout our podcast so far, we're about 30 plus episodes in, is that you got to have the talent, which obviously you do, but you have to have the work ethic. And I think that's one thing that we heard from, you know, high school football on in that you have that structure and that discipline to, to work hard. And um, you, you, you mentioned, for yourself. yeah, absolutely. You got it. You got to be an entrepreneur and you work for yourself and uh, more power to you, man. That's a tough position to be in sometimes of, of kind of running your own show, being a contract worker. In, in a very competitive, as you said, aggressive world. But I think the one thing, you know, I think to kind of uh, give someone that's not under, you know, that maybe is, uh, you know, informed on your brand or who you are, um, you know, you just hit 40,000 followers on Twitter. So not that that means that you've arrived, but you're obviously moving in the right direction of, of growing, uh, you know, the rookie of the year, as Calvin had mentioned. Uh, and I really found that that tweet you put out there very interesting because um, I think you're, you're excited about your direction because you said, I grew up thinking I was a mess of a human, bad habits, broken family, poor upbringing. I'm amazed of how many people out there I relate to. I spent many years trying to get uh, people to like me, but all I had to do is be me. So kind of touch upon that as you've kind of found yourself in professional wrestling and feeling comfortable and really feel like you are in a good spot. Well, yeah, I mean, for so many years, I, I strived to be that normal kid, right? I, I, I didn't want to continue to be isolated and yelled at and and poked and made fun of and things like that i just wanted to fit in with everybody else and i tried so so hard to be that guy i tried went to college you know i got the degree i got the desk job you know working at the technology company uh in norwood uh cdk up where my dad actually grew up so i don't know everything seemed to be falling in place for me but uh, you know, when I got out of college, but like, there was always that itch, you know, there was always that itch to do something more. There was always that itch to be greater than I was. And, and little did I know that some of my worst habits and, and some of my, what I considered biggest flaws were going to be exactly what I needed to, uh, to become the performer I needed to be. Right. A lot of my worst habits ended up being great quirks to have, you know, in an entertainment spotlight where you know when you put the magnifying glass on it and really look at it it's like oh, okay well you know people are going to pay attention to this so um yeah <laughs> and i think just i think now i would like to kind of relate kind of go back in time a little bit and kind of talk you were at an early age i think for people to understand your story too i know we kind of started uh in your you know adolescent years or your high school or, or informative years there but going back earlier on when you talk like in the previous quote i just mentioned about the broken family your your father famous wrestler uh brian pillman uh passed hold away. on hold on hold on what's that flying brian, brian pillman okay all right guy i grew up idolizing and watching <laughs> so i had to throw that in there man hey <laughs> man see look at my partner and, here brian He's and a miami of ohio football great does does yes, Davy Boy treat you like this, man? This is this is this is crazy. My partner just yells at me. Davy Boy would yeah. kick him. You won't kick me. I don't think. Sorry, sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> All right, can I finish now? Yeah, my bad. All right, all right. So you kind of go back to build your timeline. So your dad was thirty five. Uh, you were four years old. Uh, he passed away in Minnesota. You know, uh, on the road uh, while he was wrestling. And then um, it sounds like, which I don't know all the details. Soon thereafter, kind of your mom was. Uh, you know, not part of the picture for you growing up a lot of the time. And then your aunt Linda, um, kind of talk us through, you know, living in Northern Kentucky, uh, which is super proud by the way of who you are and what you're doing and, uh, kind of where, you know, everything went from an early childhood to then just really, you know, having a lot of adversity there. 
you know, I tell people this all the time. Uh, I think Northern Kentucky is a great place. You know, I think uh, I think it's a great place to raise a family. Uh, I think it's a great place to to start a business. I think it's a great place to to do a lot of things. You know, we have we're very we're very blessed to be in this area with the cost of living and everything, and 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 also the quality of life that's presented here. So I think my father uh, made a good choice as far as you know where he wanted to to, to make base. You know, he, he had his base there in Walton, Kentucky. Um, you know, great, huge, beautiful home. And uh, you know, just traveling in and out of here is is is, is quite seamless. You know, it's it's easier, you know, and, and I think that played a big part in, in me kind of becoming a well-rounded um, person. You know, I could have, I could have been brought up in a much worse area, you know, and I could have been brought up in a much better area, but I think, you know, coming from where I come from and in, in, in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, um, it offers a very, uh, very wide, you know, kind of, uh, what's the word spectrum, I guess. Of, of experiences um, for somebody. So it's like, not, not like I was always poor, always in a, in, a, in a rich, like I had my rich friends, you know, or on the football team. And then I had my, my sort of my ghetto friends that I got in trouble with, you know what I mean? And then the, the nicer kids that, that were playing sports and getting the better grades and stuff, they, they, they were positive influences on me. And I'm lucky that through football and, and playing sports and that, that those positive influences outweighed the negative ones and the kids that were doing drugs and, and getting in fights and stuff. So it's like, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of the fighting and then the getting in with the gangs and stuff in the neighborhood, you know, quote unquote, Northern Kentucky gang here. <laughs> and then there was, and then there was the prestige of, of all oh, the high school football team and we're going to go to state and, you know, we got all these kids and they're great. And they're, you got to have good grades. If you've got good grades and you get to go to practice and you get to play. And so it was like, there was these different temptations, but the positive uh, temptation of, of, of being an athlete and representing my school, Dixie Heights high school, was a much more alluring prospect than, you know, going and off and doing drugs and shit. So it was like, it, luckily, you know, the area and the, the town that we came up in um, sort of offer, sort of offered those, those alternatives. You know, I, I, I was, I was presented with, with choice and I, and I made the right choice. I think. Well, that's great. And glad you're obviously overcome any of those, you know, struggles early on or, or any of the, the support structure, but it sounds like we also, you know, throughout this process, we learned, you know, different influential people in your life uh, outside of, you know, Aunt Linda. And I'm sure there's a lot more, but like someone as your, is your, um, your father's college roommate, John Harbaugh. Um, can you mention coach of the Baltimore Ravens, coach of the Baltimore oh, Ravens, yeah. um, you know, and great Super Bowl. Hey, there you go. I'm going to correct you on this one. Super Bowl. Super, you're true. Winning John Harbaugh. He was a great guy. So a little bit. <laughs> A little bit something I want to tell you. So I was actually able to sit down with John last year through Miami. So both Calvin and I played at Miami, where your father played as well. Much better player he was than us. <laughs> much, much better. True. Mac <laughs> defensive player. Very <laughs> true. Um, and uh, we would love to get you up to Miami, by the way. But, Absolutely. Um, I've been, I was up there when they retired John's number. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah, yeah, that was a big, yeah, the cradle of coaches. Uh, so I'm sure I'll make another trip up there when they retire my dad's number. Maybe. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's make that happen. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we got to push. Yeah, so, I, think, so. I don't know, was John 40 or somebody was 40, and they haven't gotten rid of 41 yet. He was 41, but they have retired 43 and 40. So Yeah, Travis Prentice, I believe, who's yeah, a great running like, back. They so. got him up on the column things there. And yeah. I noticed that they're missing 41. So, well, if I we'll come in around. hot with you, you know, in your fall yeah. get up and we go in yeah. there, we're just going to cause wreckage and say, Hey, we're, yeah, we'll just raise hell. I'll start putting three people through tables. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm there. I'm Road there. Trip to Oxford. But so to kind of, I guess, bring it back to John, um, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity through Miami to go meet with John and sit with him uh, this, this past fall. And I was just blown away um, spending a few hours with him. And just learning from him, you know, he dropped a lot of knowledge nuggets, like I'm sure he does to you. But um, oh, he's a wonderful guy. I mean, I just, I, I was just completely. I've told people this all the time. The, the, the couple hours I spent with John Harbaugh will never, no one can ever take that away from me and what it meant to me as a, you know, growing uh, young adult per se. I'm getting older. You, you make me feel old. Yeah. Um, but kind of touch upon, um, you know, your relationship with John and and how he's, you know, helped develop you. 
Uh, John is awesome. You know, like you were saying, just being around him, such a positive guy, uh, you know, such a positive force, especially in, in the sports world. Um, yeah, John made a lot of things possible for me. Um, John helped me out when I wanted to get into lacrosse. Um, he helped me out when I was in, you know, he wanted, he, he helped me to meet some of the Ravens. You know, I got to meet Ray Lewis when I was younger and he sort of just kind of came into my life one day. Um, I want to say I was like 15 or 16 and I was living at my aunt Linda's and she, you know, she said, Hey, you know, John wants to bring you guys up to the Bengals game and we're going to go on the sidelines and hang out and do this. And then kind of became a tradition that we go up and see him and have a little, have a meal with the team, you know, team dinner and stuff, a little catering. And as the Ravens would come to Cincinnati as they would do every year, you know, because they're in the same division, they'd always come to Cincinnati and, I'd always tease my friends because they're all Bengals fans. You know, obviously we all live here, but uh, I would be on the sidelines with the Ravens and stuff, waving at them. And I could literally see my friends in the audience and stuff. So it was always a fun experience. And and especially just having been a football player myself, you know, getting to be on the on the sidelines and on the field, I felt right at home. And, and John always made me feel at home. So that was really nice of him. And, and of course, um, other friends of his that were friends of my dad from Miami would come to the games too. So I got to meet a lot of people on that sideline there in Cincinnati. Um, so, and then, you know, of course, thank you to the Bengals for, for having us and allowing um, us guests to go down there. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just one of those things. It's like people are like, Oh, are you a big Bengals fan? And I'm like, you know, honestly, I'm more of a Ravens fan, you know? Sure. Let's like, Oh, well, didn't your dad play for the Bengals? I'm like, well, the Bengals don't do too much for me compared to John Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, um, I, I lost my dad when I was eight, uh, you know, and you were four. And one thing you've gone to say was, you know, nothing has really brought you closer to, you know, understanding and learning more about your dad than pursuing this career. And as you get older, I think that light starts to come on. That's what's happened to me. I've started to ask family members and friends, um, you know, who have been who have been some other influences that you've had to connect with? I know uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was someone that was kind of close to you, uh, you know, early on after your father had passed. But who are some other people that uh, have been an influence for you to kind of help understand your, you know, the legacy of your father? Um, you know, you know, it's hard because there's there's a lot of wrestlers that, that really admired him. And there's a lot of guys that were um, really friends of his and stuff. And, and he was also big in the bodybuilding uh, scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a local guy named Donnie Gay. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, yeah. um, but he was really good friends with my dad and, and, and was a big bodybuilder. And I got to know him when I was a lot younger. Um, but I mean, honestly, somebody like somebody that doesn't get enough credit for, for shaping who I am is my uncle Mike who uh, isn't actually like legally related to me in any way, but he, he was seeing my aunt Linda, my dad's sister um, who was raising me up into the later years of my life uh, was dating this man named Mike Norman for about 15 years. They were together and just through that relationship with my aunt, he quickly, you know, started helping me out and supporting me uh, at a, when I was really young, you know, so from, from about when I was about 11, and they started seeing that things around the house were getting pretty rough. You know, they started lending their hand and their assistance with some groceries and stuff. And then at 13, it's when I moved out on my own. And that's when they knew that, you know, the shit really hit the fan, you know, my aunt, my uncle. And then, um, yeah, at 15, I moved back in. With, I moved in with my aunt. And my uncle started taking a huge part in things, you know, taking me to football practice, uh, lacrosse practice. And uh, he offered me a very, you know, because he's a lot older gentleman. He's like 70 now. Um, super strong guy, super strong uh, heart, toughness, uh, fought in Vietnam, you know, fought in the Battle of Quezon. So I'm get, I, was, I was getting a very good conservative, I guess, um, approach from him. And there was a lot of butting of the heads, you know, as a young kid growing up in this generation. Obviously, I thought I knew it all. You know, I have access to the Internet and everything. But. The older I get and the more I learn about my father um, and, and some of the mistakes he made, um, then, and then now I look back on the things that Mike taught me as I was growing up, and I was like, oh, I'm sure my dad had a guy like that. You know, I'm sure because my dad didn't have his dad, but I'm sure he had a guy like Mike that told him to fucking show up on time for shit and to, and to instill some good habits in him. And, and that's the person I think that deserves a lot of the credit for, for where I've gotten to. Um, is my uncle Mike. So 
huge shout out to Mike Norman. Um, not even blood related, not even legally related to me, um, but took a huge part of my life as a father figure uh, and shaping me just to be a just to be a good person. You know, it wasn't so much about the sports and this that, and the other. He was just like, you better show up on time for shit. Don't be late. Always pay your dues. You know, always pay people back. Stuff like that. So things like a good a good old person would tell you. I think too, what's so funny is growing up being a wrestling fan, the way the, the industry has changed, you know, growing up, it was, you know, just kind of this mythical, you know, you were always in character and whatnot. And now you guys are able to actually be yourself. And, you know, as a kid, you don't understand that, but seeing you and seeing the guys nowadays, you know, being able to just be who you are and seeing that, you know, when you're not having to be quote unquote in character behind the camera, you know, in front of the camera, behind the ca- behind the camera, we see that, you know, you guys are real people who have real life challenges and go through the same adversity that everyone else does. And it just, you know, I didn't know that, you know, you were such a great athlete. And, you know, one thing that we found is all of your teachers and coaches said that you were always, you know, one of their favorites. And I just think that speaks volumes, not only to you, but to people like Mike and your aunt Linda and whatnot. So kudos to you, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think the teachers liked me because they knew that that I knew that, you know, it was all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, damn, he doesn't give a fuck. We can throw him in, in, you know, in in detention. We can throw him here. We can throw him out. He knows that none of this matters and he's going to get a C or an A because they knew I could get whatever grade I wanted, you know. Because awesome. I was smart. They, they, they were just like, well, he's, you know, he's smart of the system. I remember one time this lady, uh, your name was Mrs. What was her name? I don't want to say a wrong name and mess up my teachers and they're going to hate me. <laughs> but uh, one of my teachers used to print out these these hall passes and, and give them to all the kids, you know. And I was like, I was like this. I was like, who does this chick think she is? She is not wiser than a fucking coffee mug. <laughs> If I, so I just went to the, I just went to the, uh, I was actually like the, the printing kid in the library because they couldn't get me to, to sit down. So they were like, all right, you go make copies for people. We'll put you to work. I learned how to use the copier in the library and I just copied up a hundred of the hall pass. <laughs> so I'm in the hallways whenever I want to be. I'm going to get drinks. I'm going to get water. And I didn't have to earn a damn hallway pass because I had thousand of them. Hey, that's called like, using street get- smart. That's street smart. Yeah, right there. Like, where do you keep getting all these all passes? I was like, I just manufactured them out of my own freaking my own office. So did you start a side business where you're selling your hall passes to create some cash or what? I should have I should have can I should have capitalized on that. I didn't want to flood the market. I didn't want to saturate <laughs> the value of the, of the hall passes. But yeah, I should have been that's where the that's where the experience really came in. But I was just young and witty and, and was looking for a way to go out in the hallway and, and mess around and get in trouble some more. So yeah, and far as kind of closing up on maybe mentors in the wrestling, as as Calvin said, like Stone Cold Steve Austin or Kevin Sullivan or Lance Storm, um, all legends, all legends from. And like I said, I'm not a, a wrestling expert, but from everything I saw, they're de- definitely huge influences in the industry, if not some of the top. So any any Anything to touch upon those guys that you want to mention? Yeah, it's funny. I just, you just talked. I was just looking at one of Lance Storm's tweets, actually. Um, yeah, Lance and overall just great pro. He's the, he's the guy you want to learn pro wrestling from, you know, super, super down to earth guy, you know, super fundamental, credible athlete, probably the safest worker to ever live, never hurt a soul in his life. Um, he was just tweeting about Trump because he hates Trump and all of that. And, and, and Trump said something about uh hold on what did he say? He said Lion Brian. <laughs> Trump said Lion Brian, and I was like, oh my god, Lion Brian, that ain't no Lion Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he said, you gotta respect the crying Brian, and I'm like, God, we can go on this for days. And then my buddy, other buddy, said if he's something something crying Brian. And I'm like, good Lord, crying, trying, flying. You can put it out on a shirt now, Lion Brian. But no, it's like, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of people push me in the right direction to start. I think the first person I called when I got into wrestling was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, and he told me a few places I could seek out for training. But I think those t- those places weren't running at the time. And uh, I, I asked him about Lance's school. And he said, yeah, that's 100% the best place to go. Go up and train in Calgary like your dad did. And, and the rest is history, you know, so. 
It's awesome, man. And, and how do you, um, last question I kind of have on the wrestling piece, Brian, is, is knowing that, um, you know, drugs and alcohol were, were prevalent in your dad's life. And obviously within wrestling, to my understanding, and really a lot of professional sports, there's a lot of that, you know, party scene. Um, how are you handling, you know, and obviously heart disease runs in your family as well. So how, how are you handling, I guess, as your career rises and, and trying to stay healthy and, and really, uh, you know, as clean, I assume, as possible? Yeah. You know, to be honest, I'm very disappointed. There's not a lot of partiers uh, in wrestling anymore. <laughs> I would have thought there'd be more parties and more drugs and more alcohol, but there's a lot less of that today. Uh, there's a lot more of guys, you know, going back to the hotel room, smoking pot and playing video games. And, and there's a lot more of people taking care of their bodies and going back to the room and Snapchatting their girlfriend or calling, you know, so guys are a lot more mellow these days. Guys are a lot more mild. You know, I, I would say I had a pretty wild uh, time with some different wrestlers and stuff. Some guys that were a little more old school and they really wanted to get out there and party. Um, but the temptation isn't always there. You know, it's it's not like it used to be. You didn't have to prove yourself by drinking 20 shots of vodka in a night. You know, um, guys these days are a lot more mild. But, hey, I, I always welcome the party. I appreciate it because, like I said, uh, you know, just going through what I went through when I was younger, I think I got a good grasp on my on my vices and stuff. And I don't have any issues with drinking. I don't ever, I don't ever feel like an alcoholic. Like I, I might drink once every now and then, or, you know, especially if there's like an event or something, you know, but I'm not like keeping the fridge stocked with beer. You know, I'm not a big, not a big, you know, I, I I've, I've got a hold on myself as Good. far as those maybe uh, genetically, maybe addictive traits that might've been present in my, in my mother or father. I've, I've never, I haven't had an issue with it just because I got a lot of that stuff out of my system uh, when I was younger and things. So um, the, the, the wrestling world today doesn't have too many uh, crazy uh, temptations for me as, as far as, as, as maybe back in the day, it was probably a lot more, you know, a lot more, uh, a lot more hazing, a lot more partying and stuff like that. And then and, and that nature. So I think I've listened to stone cold Steve Austin's podcast, and they reference yeah, a lot like, of. If anything, we need. If anything, we need more alcohol yeah. and drugs. We got. We don't have enough. <laughs> right. Go around. Uh, and speaking of things being, you know, things being more mellow now in the industry. Uh, unfortunately, you know, right now with everything that's going on with COVID nineteen, um, you know, a lot of the struggles. You know, you. Oh, it was wow. stated that you were typically making, you know, six hundred to, you know. $2,000 or so a weekend on the road traveling for shows. And right now, as you're, you know, kind of new to the industry, but like I said, rookie of the year, and you're building that momentum, and then this happens, how are you handling and dealing with that? And then I know also one thing that you do to alleviate a lot of that stress is uh, is uh, World of Warcraft. I heard your big video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, just even what we're doing right now um, is, is a huge part of it. You know, trying to stay relevant during a crisis is, is one of the biggest things right now. Everybody's at home, everybody's on their phone. So what can we do is, is we can talk about wrestling and we can brainstorm how we're going to return to the ring. You know, what are we going to be wearing? What's our physique going to look like? How's the hair going to look? Um, what are we going to say when we come back to wrestling? Are we going to cut a promo in the ring? Are we going to, are we going to develop a new wrestling style? And that's another thing is getting back in the ring and, and shaking off the ring rust. You know, I've, I've got a, I got a date this Sunday. I can't say because it's secret, but I got to go out and train. I got to get back in the ring and run these ropes. And uh, nobody could have planned for this. Nobody could have planned for COVID-19. And fuck, I hate saying it. Excuse my language. It's a PG uh, screen here, but um, it really put a big wrench, you know, in my plans and in my career. Um, just with so much uh, momentum, especially in the wrestling business, the entertainment business, you really have to ride that momentum and, and stay relevant and stay in the eyes of the people. And, and I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed for things like this, like opportunities to, to share my story and my voice and just keep the narrative going. Cause you never know, you know, maybe a month out of the spotlight, you could lose your momentum and, and not be as booked or as valued. But I'm very blessed that a lot of these shows are having me on, keeping me going keeping the story going. Um, I've already got wrestling shows excited to book me after this is all over. Uh, possibly in June 13th, I might have a date coming up. So I'm really, really optimistic. I'm staying as optimistic as I can. Um, obviously, playing the video games, staying isolated. Um, I've always, always had uh, 
that as an escape for me. That's almost been more, you know, more powerful than any temptation of, of drugs or alcohol. It's just been uh, the temptation to sit down and, and play games and, and with my friends and, and dedicate a lot of time into them and, and really just get kind of lost in that world, right? You know, so we're always looking. That's all people are, right? We're always looking for an escapism or something, whether you're grabbing a beer when you get home from work or, or you're logging in to an online game where, you know, thousands of people are in there and, and chasing after the same goal. So, um, no, it's, I, like I said, I've been very lucky, you know, to have a place to live and to, and to have an easier time with rent and stuff. And, uh, you know, you know, I saved up, I saved up some of that, that road money, some of that indie wrestling money, but because this all happened around WrestleMania time, right? WrestleMania in April was huge. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge, huge payday for a lot of us wrestlers. I mean, I probably lost just that one weekend. I probably lost $6,000. You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't down in Tampa. I wasn't selling shirts. I wasn't getting paid to do shows. There was over 100 wrestling shows that weekend. I was on like six or seven of them. You know, I, I, that's like a light weekend. Like most guys are going down there doing 12 shows. You know, they're doing three a day or four a day, you know, so. Um, I, I just took what I, I usually sit back and I take what, what they give me and what they offer me. And I let some of the, some of the younger, you know, fresher faces in the business kind of chase those opportunities and stuff to where they're on more shows and they get some more exposure because when I go to the conventions, I can make a lot of money, you know, selling merchandise and stuff too. So there's gotta be time for that. So I had everything scheduled out. You know, the plans were looking great and just massing it all out from COVID as a whole. I've probably lost $10,000 just sitting at home, you know, um, but here's the, just here's, so far. and yeah. here's the thing though. I think something that I'm, I'm learned through you though, is we talked about with our, one of our previous guests, urban, we've actually incorporated into ours is event plus response equals outcome. And I think you're going to respond well, right? Cause everyone's in that sure. your work ethic, your mentality, your perseverance, will, will overcome. And, and once again, I think you're going to ride that momentum. So keep faith brother. Cause there's a lot of people as you know, are, are struggling. And so, um, you know, I think you're going to be able to come out stronger. I got one request too. Will you continue to do matches in your apartment? You know what? I <laughs> loved that. That was to me, that was really cool. Yes. And you know, some people may or may not have agreed with it, whether or not I'm inside the wrestling business or outside of it. Um, but when I look back at a lot of you know, WWE raw backstage brawls, you know, that's exactly what this was. Right. Um, it was a backstage look in, into my, into where I live and in my little, uh, it's a pretty big room, I guess, but in my, in my house and stuff. And I had a, a fellow local wrestler names, Icon Lee, Icon Lee, shout out name James Lee. And, uh, he's a, he's a young kid from Cincinnati, very hungry, young athlete. And, uh, he's very strong with his creativity and, and he proposed these ideas. And I'm like, you know what? You got some good, damn good ideas. Let's have a little match in here. And he broke into my house and he threatened to take my title. And it was a title match. I showed, him what, I showed him what happens when he tries to take my title. So, And the fact you were able to imp- like, that just shows the creativity. I was watching it like, <laughs> what are they going to come up with? And you were hitting them with stuff and you used the, <laughs> the recliner and you used the, like, yeah. I was like, this is that just the, the way you guys are able to do that, man. And this, the creative that you put into it, you know, the, as you said, just as an entire brand, man, you know, I think it's just amazing and awesome how you guys are able to do stuff like that. Absolutely. And I, and I think that could have went somewhere, but it can still go somewhere, you know, that it can always continue into its own series. And, and I was telling him, I was like, dude, if this doesn't come back, we got to start a YouTube channel. You know, we got to start sure. making some views. We got to start making some money. Um, that probably would have already happened if, if I didn't have, high hopes that this was going to get back to normal. So, um, and that's definitely something too, that, that I should be, uh, you know, enterprising to do, you know, everyone should have a YouTube channel today. Yeah. Everyone should have, I mean, it's just, it's just money on the table. It's, it's creativity, it's productivity. Um, producing content for other people is like, you know, the mainstay of, of 2019, you know, in 2000, I hate to say 2020 because fuck, it's about a probably a cursed word at this point. Like say, <laughs> say 2020, you might catch the virus. <laughs> so we'll turn the clock back and we'll go back to 2019, the golden era of technology and love and happiness. Yeah. Well, and, hopefully, uh, hopefully the ending of 2020 has you 
as you said, June 13th and other areas, things are coming around. But uh, hey, we end. I know we're coming to kind of the conclusion here. By when we come to the end, we do rapid fire, Brian. So oh, we, we're going to put you on the hot seat a little bit. I don't think these are too, too tough. But um, my first right. question on rapid fire, um, did we land on the moon? I know grandma said she didn't believe it and you were kind of wavering. Did we land on the moon? Yes or no? Uh, no, it's, it, we would be doing more if we did. <laughs> Love it. This is great. That was easy. You're, um, you're still up. Well, you kind of answered number two, Ravens or Bengals. Who are you rooting for? I'm assuming that's a slam dunk Ravens. Ravens. Gotcha. He bought me. He bought me a TV for Christmas one year. What can I do? <laughs> Marvin Lewis didn't buy anything. Now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Marvin Lewis ain't give me shit. I met Marvin Lewis one time at the Grandview Tavern, <laughs> where I used to work. All right. That was it. Shook his hand. He was pretty plain, and I was like, "Yeah, my dad played for the Bengals." Whatever. He said, "Oh yeah." Mm-hmm. And we we went our separate ways. That was, that was it. <laughs> Shout out, Coach Lewis. He didn't say, "Here's a TV." <laughs> All right, next one. So word on the street is that you can moonwalk and sing. You got time to sing us a, you got 15 seconds to maybe sing us something? I said, baby, you're a song. You make me want to roll my windows down and chill. Oh, there we I go. Don't know. I'm not the best singer, but I always joke around. I got this girlfriend that she sings and stuff, and she's like a, you know, she can kind of coach me on my notes and all that. But Were you in choir in singing. high school? Is that true? I, I just Huh? Were you in choir in high school? Actually, we were. Okay, yeah. So I could I could actually sing one of the songs that we we did in choir. One of them was, "I've got sunshine on a cloudy day." I like it. when it's cold outside. I've got the month of May. <laughs> the bar was it the bar- baritone? Yeah, dude. Well, that it's is funny because the. Uh, the the men's choir was a, a, a gender specific class at a public school um, that the music teacher got approved and he actually recruited us all from the football team. He came into the locker room and he's like, "Look, you guys need to learn how to sing. You're a bunch of uncultured swine." And our players, we all looked at it as a challenge to go have our own all male class where we could just goof off and do whatever the hell we wanted. And it was awesome. It was really cool. And his argument for that was that Cuffcat had an all men's choir and that the choir at Dixie was 98% girls. So he got off pretty easy with that. And we had our first all, you know, we had our first all boys class at Dixie ever. I wish I would have went to high school with Brian at Dixie Heights. That, yeah, that we, sounds we like ran a, that a great time. We, we broke all the rules. Hall passes. Okay, we would have had a hall pass. around in choir class. <laughs> That's great. And, and you know what? I'm going to steal this question from you because it was my idea. So Don't butcher it. Hey. Don't butcher okay, it. Okay. So who wins in a six-man tag match? You, Teddy Hart, Davey Boy Smith Jr., which is uh, British Bulldog's son, uh, or or your uh, dad's team of Flying Brian Pillman, British Bulldog, and Bret Hart? Who wins that? <laughs> <laughs> three young guys versus the three older guys. Yeah, it's funny. We always joke that that uh, Teddy's the illegitimate son of Brett, but uh, <laughs> but no, that, that those are kind of our, our our spirit animals in an essence. And you know, to be quite honest, I, I think the old guys beat our asses. You know, I think uh, I don't know. I think Davy Boy's really scary guy though. You know, if it came down to a shoot fight, we're getting our, you know, Davy boy might beat their asses. But but when it comes to wrestling, when it comes to the art of professional wrestling, nobody, nobody understood it better than Bret Hart. And and nobody understood um, the 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 cat, you know, the, the character part of it, like my father. And uh, Davy boy senior was just such an impressive athlete. I, I watch clips of his all the time. And uh, and it's just hanging out with his son is the coolest thing ever to have that camaraderie. But, but yeah, I think the old timers, they put on a clinic for us. Um, Bret Hart, obviously a lot more technical uh, than myself and Teddy. Teddy's Teddy's more of a luchador. Teddy is a very Mexican style of wrestling. So I think that uh, I think my, my dad and Bret Hart and, and Davey Boy Sr. Would, would find some holes in his game, you know. So Okay. Great. Right. That's a great self-aware answer. and we're honest. I think we're so that one. That, yeah. <laughs> I think that answer will go. Uh, but that question, viral. if you come back on five years from now, that might be a different story. So we'll see. We'll, we'll yeah, leave I might it. Learn a few new things. I know my dad knew a lot of dirty tricks. Though. <laughs> he, got a, he got in a lot of bar fights. He was a feisty guy. I'm he sure. punked out like I said, you know. Wow. That's the myth. Yeah. That's next. That, that's next episode. You know, I already even punked out Vader. Shit. You know, he just. 
tough dude. I wouldn't fuck with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, he definitely would have beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so next question. As you grow in your career, um, would you be open to changing your name? And I don't know how that really happens. I know there's a lot that goes into that based on, you know, you know, heel or, you know, good guy or whatnot. But would you ever be open to changing your name as you progress or... You know, I think it may be, it might be too late. And at this point, you know, it might be too deep in and, and from a, from a business standpoint, it might just make more sense to, to, you know, keep being me and keep continuing this journey, but to evolve my character. Right. So if there ever comes a time uh, where my character, where it will make sense to sort of change my name and to sort of go under this new alias, as long as it all ties into the original story of who I am. Um, I think it's totally possible. So it's just one of those things where there's every each and every day people are constantly evolving their their gimmicks, so to speak, and their characters and and how they want to, you know, paint that picture in the ring. So I, I must say, yeah, I've thought of a lot of different evolutions and, and variations uh, of Brian Pillman Jr. Um, but at the end of the day, maybe it would be a nickname or a moniker or something to add on, you know, like, oh, now I'm doing this. Now I'm this, you know. So it's like, it might not be a full on, you know, change my name to fucking Drake Vance or some shit, but it might be like, you know, instead of just Brian Pillman Jr., it might be like the nine millimeter kid, Brian Pillman or something, you know, like some crazy, you know, like there's all kinds of things you can experiment with. But at the end of the day, the root of the story, the backstory, the, the sort of the lore and the origin of where Brian Pillman Jr. comes from should remain intact, right? Yeah. Sure. So. Awesome, man. So last, it's kind of a combined question here. Um, we hope to have John Harbaugh. Who knows? We might get Stone Cold one day Who onto the podcast. Absolutely. I, you know, John, I could maybe sneak him in here. You know? Yeah, yeah, especially between the two of us. We hope to uh, get him on here. So um, what should we ask? We, we always like to ask other guests for pre for future guests, what should we ask him? What would be a great question to ask John Harbaugh? You know what? I, I want you to ask John if he would ever do me a favor, if he would ever ask him if he would ever get in the wrestling ring yes. and be a part of a match in some way. And and what what would his wrestling name be? And, and how would he go about it? That would be a cool question. Dad. That is really cool. I think he just had knee surgery, so he might not get in the ring anytime soon. Well, but God maybe. damn it, he had some pretty damn good knee surgery. <laughs> yeah, John John Hopkins University out there. <laughs> Take care of that goddamn knee. So no, he he's awesome, and his daughter plays lacrosse, and I know she's doing well at that sport too. So sweet. Can I, so and then the last question is. Um, and maybe you could help us with this one as well. Uh, if we got Stone Cold on the podcast, what should we ask him? That's crazy. I got a lot of questions for Stone Cold, I suppose. Hmm. I guess you could ask him what is what was his favorite thing about, you know, being on the road with my dad and stuff and, and what was his favorite quality of him? Sure, that'd be outside, great. You know, outside of wrestling, you know, what was his favorite quality of him as a person? You know, right. something a little more personal, you know, because Steve is the type of guy just from talking to him, he can go on all day about wrestling and the business and this, that, or the other. But, you know, to really get underneath, you know, Steve's skin, you got to ask the tougher questions, you know. So I think it'd be nice. I think it'd be a little more interesting to hear something a little more personal, you know, from him. Sure. That's great. Well, hey, um, any, any, and he's, and he's a really busy guy. So that might be a lot harder to get, you know, because when I call him, he picks up the phone no matter what. You know, he's definitely prioritized uh, helping me out. But, you know, he only has limited time to can talk, you know, you know, five, 10 minutes or so. And hell, I've, I've been on the phone with him for 30 or 40 minutes before, but there comes a time where he is a super busy guy and I don't want to take up his time all the time. So I don't always talk to him. You know, I, I, I do sparingly, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's possible, you know, he's probably got a million bajillion of these things lined up, but I'm sure we could definitely get John in here and get, get some insight from John. And have a lot of fun with that. I'll say this too. I'm glad we got you now because I have no doubt, man, just listening to, you know, you during this interview and just seeing how spot on you can be with just, you know, coming up with the, you know, quick quotes and, and the charismatic, you know, piece of who you are. Uh, you know, I, I, I know I'm going to, you know, 10 years from now, be able to look back and just see, you know, how far you've come and, you know, turning on the TV on Friday night and seeing you on SmackDown and doing your thing, man. So definitely best of luck to you for sure. Well, absolutely. I think you guys have a very professional product going on here. 
when I saw you guys standing up, I had to get up myself and let that diaphragm loose a little bit, you know, but you know, I, I do a lot of these, I get probably a thousand requests to do these podcasts. So, um, it's something I'm very experienced with is at least sharing my story, uh, in a professional manner. Yeah, that's great. And we actually have last thing. I just thought of this as you were speaking with you being so close to us and living in Covington, we have an outreach, uh, called Lord's gym. They actually have a ring. I don't think it'd be probably up to your spec, but I think, Oh really? I've yeah, heard of that. I've heard since, of that place. Since Calvin wants to be a wrestler, maybe you can, you can have uh, Calvin circus Blackman versus flying Brian Pillman jr. Uh, in Covington at Lord's gym. So yeah, I actually heard about Lord's gym. I'm going to check that out. They're not open right now. Are they? No, they're not, but, um, our CFOs on the board and we would love to have you down there. So, um, yeah, I would love you to reach out to them and, and, and at least when things get back up and going, I'd love to check that place out. So yeah, we'll definitely have you down and we'd love to, I know a lot of those, um, you know, we, we try to help as many of the homeless in Covington as we can and, uh, in Cincinnati and, and we, um, we really, really, it's a big passion of ours, uh, within the organization. Yeah, here's so. a very affordable gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, pretty much, I think, like 10 bucks a year or something, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So it's it's more about the mission than, you know, anything else. And I know they would love to have you down yeah. there. I'd love to be a part of it, man. There's nothing I miss more than the calluses. I've never seen my hands, like, with the calluses not on them, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's I'm old, probably, like they're going to bleed. Like they're so soft. Like it's crazy. If you like an old school gym with like old school stuff and old school environment, like this is yeah, the spot for you. Chalk on it. I, I, I prefer the cables to be, you know, very gritty and, 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 and not smooth when I pull them, you know, I like that grit, that iron, you know, it, it's, it's, this will be right up your alley. It's so, cool. I, you know, the fitness world's been great to me. You know, my, my father actually worked with Kim Wood on the hammer strength you know, product line. So that's always cool to see the hammer strength, uh, technology all over all the gyms and stuff. Like, oh yeah. Small yeah, world. My dad helped develop that technology. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, you got two fans over here, uh, man, and, and we appreciate all your time and, uh, we're going to be supporting you. We, we can't wait to meet you in person once all this is, uh, surpassed and we can get together and continued, uh, support and, and best of luck. Anything we can do, just let us know. Hey, thank you for having me. And I'm sure we'll be doing these down the road. I'll have to catch up touch base again thank you so much absolutely man and, and real quick how can uh how can our listeners follow you uh you know on different social media platforms well like i tell everybody uh my face i don't really like facebook so don't add me on there um twitter and instagram twitter is flying brian jr instagram is flying brian 41 obviously the 41 stands for my father's football number when he played in miami it's the family lucky number um uh, and yeah stay tuned on those two things i'm always tweeting and I'm always posting pictures on Instagram when there's pictures to be posted. Right now, all the only pictures I got are of me naked and playing the computer. So you don't want any of that. <laughs> but when, when wrestling gets back started, I'll have a lot more photos. <laughs> awesome. Well, appreciate your time, man. Again, thank you very much. This is, uh, this is, this is great. I know you guys have a great system set up. Great, great work ethic and great production value. Appreciate it, man. All right, Brian. Have a good one, brother. Hey, have a good day, guys. All right, thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free T-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.